Overdrive. Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that ponders on issues of motoring and transport. I'm David Brown and in this program we have new stories including Hyundai develops a centre side airbag to operate between the driver and the front passenger. Our road safety and behavioural change expert Liz Ampt covers the fifth year of Ford's Driving Skills for Life. It's their free training program. Rob Fraser has a chat about some of the cars we have tested this week and we have motoring minutes on the Range Rover Evoque, Volkswagen pays up in Australia for Dieselgate, Takata airbags, Land Cruiser sells big and Lexus produces a yacht. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify or our Facebook site is Overdrive City. So let's start the program with the news. Overdrive. If you have a question, suggestion or comment, send an email to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. The Hyundai Motor Group has developed a new centre side airbag which deploys into the space between the driver and passenger seats to prevent head injuries of passengers in the front row. If there is no one in the front seat, the airbag will protect the driver from side collisions. The centre airbag is installed inside the driver's seat. The new centre side airbag is expected to reduce head injuries caused by passengers colliding with each other by 80%. According to the European Automotive Manufacturers Association statistics, the rate of secondary damage caused by these kinds of collisions or from hitting interior materials is about 45%. The Hyundai Group has applied newly patented technology to maintain reliability but reduce the weight and size of the airbag and will roll out the technology in future models. Ford Australia has announced that its free Driving Skills for Life course will tour Australia for a fifth consecutive year. It's designed for new and young drivers and focuses on techniques not taught during L-plate driver instruction. It aims to increase the use of safe and calm driving techniques, as well as teach new drivers how to share the road with other vehicles and cyclists. One approach to help drivers avoid dooring cyclists is called the Dutch Reach, in which a driver uses their far hand, the left hand for right-hand drive vehicles, to open the door, which forces the drivers to turn their head and look behind them, hopefully to check for cyclists. Working with the Amy Gillett Foundation, the Driving Skills for Life is a free course funded by Ford and carried out at six locations around Australia. For more information, search for Ford Driving Skills for Life. Chief Executive Officers' pay packets in Australia that are in the tens of millions of dollars have been strongly criticised, but these pale when compared to the incentive scheme offered to Tesla's Elon Musk. If Musk manages to steer the company to great success, he stands to gain up to $56 billion over the next 10 years. 
but his performance targets are not easy. He will have to raise Tesla's market capitalization to $650 billion, which is more than 10 times the company's value right now, to get his full reward. They also face a class action that alleges that Musk and Tesla's board of directors breached their fiduciary duties to the company and its stockholders, granting unjust enrichment to Musk and wasting corporate assets. Tesla requested that the action be dismissed, but a Delaware judge has just ruled that it can go ahead. Peter Brock's first Bathurst Monaro has just sold at auction for just over $455,000, but there is another rare Aussie vehicle on the market. It's a 1970 XY Falcon that has been stretched to six doors. Stretched limos are quite common now, but what makes this unique is that it was built by Ford's Broadmeadows factory as a special order for the now-defunct airline TAA and has been restored from the ground up in a process the auctioneers claim took eight years. The car will come with original owner's manual, paperwork and a number of magazine write-ups. Recent auction results, however, suggest that, like the new car sales, the market for classic cars is also down significantly. Mazda has confirmed that they will have a world premiere of their first mass-production battery electric vehicle at the 2019 Tokyo Motor Show. It will be a totally new model rather than just an electric engine in an existing shape. Mazda says it will push the boundaries to explore the car-as-art approach. We have all heard of an SUV, but what about an FUV? An American manufacturer is blurring the lines between bikes and cars with a machine it calls the FUV, or Fun Utility Vehicle, and it should be available in Australia in the near future. The Akimoto FUV Evergreen has two wheels up front and one at the back. It looks like an oversized tricycle with a roof, complete with a windscreen and a small luggage area. There are handlebars, complete with heated hand grips, rather than a steering wheel. Instead of a petrol engine, the FUV uses two electric motors for propulsion and has a claimed top speed of 121 kilometres an hour. The maker says the Akimoto will travel about 160 kilometres before requiring a four-hour charge. The batteries sit under the seats, helping keep the centre of gravity low. Akimoto has even created a version called the Deliverator, which ditches the rear seat for a large box designed to carry a wide range of products, from parcels to pizzas, groceries to dry cleaning. And that has been the news. Overdrive. For more information and past programs, go to drivenmedia.com.au. Vehicle recalls for defective Takata airbags are now a regular feature in the media. Manufacturers must do their bit to fix the problems, but so must car owners, as David Brown reports. Motor vehicle recalls are increasing, and the average number of vehicles in each recall is also on the rise. In America, 30% of vehicles that have had a recall notification remain unrepaired. 
the percentage is worse for private cars and for older vehicles. The ACCC website lists cars with Takata airbags, including some built as far back as 1999. The problem with Takata airbags occurs through deterioration over time, especially in hot and humid conditions. The ACCC also has a list of some recent vehicles that will be issued a recall later this year. Recent reports of dangerous airbag deployments have not always mentioned some owner's failure to promptly reply to a recall request. Overdrive, answering your questions across Australia. Well, what have we been testing this week on the line? We have a Rob Fraser. Rob, what have you been in? This week I've had a couple of different vehicles. I've had a Volkswagen Caddy, the beach version, which is like a half camper van type thing, hmm. and a Honda CRV, but their seven seat version as well. Space comes to mind in both those. The caddy, you're a big lad. Did you find that both the driving and perhaps the camping part of it to be adequate? Well, the camping part certainly was. There was plenty of room in the back. I've got a friend who runs a water delivery business, and he's got a caddy van, and he absolutely loves it because it's just so big, so easy, but it's also maneuverable. So it's the same size, plenty of room in the back, seven seats when you're not using it. So it's fairly practical. I think it's probably more a seven-seater, really, and a, and a very occasional camper van. Occasional in the sense that it's not something that you're going to spend a lot of your life in, but it's just easy to have on hand when you do a little trip. You wouldn't want to spend weeks in the car. Is that what you're saying? Very much so. It's more a, I've got a van that I trip all the kids around in, and if I want to go away for a weekend somewhere, yes, I can converted into a a sleeping for two people inside so it's got some pretty clever ideas in the back there where they've got you know um hanging basket well, i call them hanging baskets but it's one of the uh, seven wonders of the world isn't it the hanging baskets of babylon or something yeah. <laughs> yes well i call them like a laundry bag that hooks onto the side of the vehicle and inside and you can it's got little pockets so that you can put a whole lot of stuff in there and the seats do fall flat and it's actually a fairly comfortable sort of bed but yeah, you're right. It's not something I'd jump in and say I'm going to spend three months in this. Now, the Honda, you say it's seven seats. Is that squeezing them in? But look, the, the Honda seven-seater comes as a two-wheel drive version only, and it comes in two different levels of, of um, luxury, I guess you call it. But I, I think as a, as a seven-seater, it makes a great five-seater. <laughs> it's very, very tight in the back there for very, very short people. Yeah. The practicality is there, and, and it's good if you need it for the extra you know, two kids coming home from school or the soccer run, that type of stuff. But there's probably better choices as a seven-seat vehicle. But as a five-seater, the CRV is an excellent vehicle, heaps of space. I've been driving the Nissan X-Trail. It's uh, been around now for quite some time, grown a bit over the years. What do you appreciate out of it as an SUV? The X-Trail is it's, it's a surprisingly good car. It used to be a good four-wheel drive, now more an all-wheel drive, so it has gone soft. But it is very comfortable. 
very easy to drive. It does absolutely nothing wrong. It's just one of those cars you hop in and you drive, and it's like, yep, this is good. I like this. I took a little bit of getting used to it to get a bit of ambience or feel for it. The other thing is that I had to look up the manual to stop it beeping when I locked the door. Uh-uh. That's okay, and to change it is actually not on the infotainment screen, but on the fob, you hold down the lock and the unlock button for over 2.5 seconds. Uh, by the way, the beeping and that is all part of what they call their South African system, and so I guess they're really trying to avoid carjacking yep. in many ways. But uh, finding it in the manual was a bit of more by l- uh, good luck than good management, as all manuals now are just so big and cumbersome. But uh, once I did that, I-, I thought it looked good. I liked the front of it. it. The front of it just had enough angles in that to look purposeful without looking... Too aggressive or too overstyled. Redneck. Might also be the word <laughs> I was I was perhaps trying to find. You made the comment earlier about the fact that you you took a while to get used to the ambience of it. it it's not character. It, it's not full of character. It it's it's a car that you jump in and drive, but it's a car that you jump in and drive, and and everything just seems to flow and work well. Yes. You also made a comment earlier about looking through manuals. I have two thoughts on that. One is that with all the technology we have these days, why do we still have a printed manual that you have to look up? Mm. And the second one is, it's one of my huge bugbears where things are not intuitive and you have to physically go and look at the manual. The thing about a manual, too, is if we put them online, we could search for things. Yes. What did I have to look up? Lock? Warning? None of those worked. I forget how I stumbled on the area. Whereas a search function might well be able to overcome a lot of that difficulties, given that a typical manual now is, what, 550, 600 pages. If you think about it also, I mean, storage in cars is at a premium these days, and the manuals have gotten bigger and thicker, so they literally do take up all of the glove box, and you lose all that storage area where it could easily sit as an app on your phone. Oh, an app on your phone is good. I like the Lexus also that has it on the screen. No, it's a BMW, isn't it? BMW has that one where you can look at something on the screen and it gives you information about that function on the screen. Yes. All right, Rob, lovely to talk to you. We will catch up next week with some other vehicles to drive. David, thank you. And that's Rob Fraser. And we're all from the website anyauto.com.au, but that can lead you to things like Driven Media and Osroma which is more about driving out in the country and on holidays and so on. Overdrive. If you have a question, suggestion or comment, send an email to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Australians have bought more Land Cruisers than people from any other country. As the iconic vehicle brand passes 10 million global sales, Land Cruiser is Toyota's longest selling model and was originally launched back in 1951 as the Toyota BJ. Renamed the Land Cruiser in 54, Rob Fraser picks up the story. Toyota Land Cruiser. 
Has there been a vehicle that has endeared itself more to the Australian four-wheel drive enthusiasts? It's built an enviable reputation as a rugged, robust four-wheel drive that suited Australian conditions better than most. With local sales over 1 million vehicles, an impressive 10.6% of the global tally, I can say I have contributed personally to that grand total. Australians have bought more than 400,000 workhorse vehicles, including the current 70 series, 360,000 wagons, including the latest 200 series, and an impressive 305,000 Prado wagons. Last year, Australia retained its global leadership with customers buying over 42,000 Land Cruisers, which was about 13.3% of the world total. And even today, a Land Cruiser remains at the top of my list for an Outback Touring Wagon. Overdrive. For more information and past programs, go to drivenmedia.com.au. Volkswagens now added Australia to the list of settlements surrounding the diesel emissions issues that the company has faced. David Brown has some details. Volkswagen has agreed to pay up to 127 million Australian dollars to settle a class action stemming from the 2015 diesel emissions scandal. The settlement was announced in the federal court in Sydney and has yet to be approved by a judge. Volkswagen said in a statement that it made no omission of liability in the settlement. Volkswagen has also agreed to pay the plaintiff's legal costs, which have yet to be assessed. The quality management movement had a principle that if you set a target, people will meet the target no matter what the cost to the company. It was widely recognised that Volkswagen had a culture of demanding staff meet extreme targets. So far, Volkswagen has paid 30 billion euros in fines and civil settlements around the world. Overdrive, answering your questions across Australia. Well, a year ago, we talked and had been to the Ford Driving Skills for Life course. Well, they've updated it a year later and had another launch, and we thought the best person to send to that was our expert in road safety and in behaviour change, Liz Amp, and she joins us on the line now. Liz, you went down to the event. How would you describe it overall? Well, it was really very interesting because it gave us all an insight into what the Driving Skills for Life program is. And it has a practicality about it, doesn't it? A reality that sort of says, hang on, it's just not automatic. It's, you know, you've got to think about the nature of the car in front of you. Exactly. And that's a, that was at the most simple level. And then he told us that as part of this Driving Skills for Life program, it's really getting young people to try to drive. So they take with them for, uh, several cars. And they do things like find out what it's like to use the ABS system, the braking system correctly, pushing the brake as hard as they can, as quickly as they can, so that the ABS actually works the way it should. 
Did you have a go? I did. Well, I sat in the back seat because it was the young people who were supposed to be doing it. Um, the event was opened by Kay Hart, the CEO of Ford. But there was another person there, Dr. Marilyn Johnson from the Amy Gillett Foundation. I've spoken to Marilyn over the time. She's very good. She was. And uh, she was saying, whereas last year, the cycling relationship with cars, they were focusing on keep one metre distance from a bike. This year, they were focusing on something that you might have heard of, I'm not sure, but called the Dutch Reef. Tell me about it. It's a simple method for drivers to be able to check if there are cyclists coming as they open their door. And what it is in Australia with our right-hand drive, you simply open the driver's door with your left hand. When you're doing that, if you imagine, you you really have to turn your head around. (laughs) I laugh with you, not at you in any way. Previously, or possibly still, uh, cars have these little signs that say, watch out for cyclists. But that becomes very, well, you don't even notice it after a while. It's there all the time, so you don't even think about it. But using this Dutch reach, it's quite simple and very effective. James was particularly saying that you want to have things that are habitual. Yeah. We all know that. If it's a habit, it'll be much more effective. Because it's a um, community service component of Ford's business, they don't advertise. They just rely on us to tell people to uh, come along. Oh, okay, so they're not sort of doing the big corporate flag waving. They also do some things like, what is it? It's the drunk suit. Well, they call it an impairment suit. And what it is, is it has been researched, of course. Weights are attached to your arms and to your thighs and legs and your ankles. And also you have earmuffs on. And finally, you're given goggles. They make it seem as if... It would be when you've got 0.05 alcohol content in your blood. Okay. And so what they made some people do was walk along a straight line without that suit on. And yes, indeed, they could walk along the line. And then we were able to observe, which I suppose was funny, what happens when you put the impairment suit on. But in fact, that's the skills that we have when we are even only that much over the limit. Which is a reality, isn't it? I mean, you can theorise about that in a lecture for hours, but this gives a practical reality to it. Yes. I think that's the whole focus of it, uh, being practical. Even another aspect that they taught about being practical is, you know, if you're going 60 kilometres an hour, how long does it take you to stop? So it's all very well to tell you how many metres that is. What they've done is, well, what they did that day was mark it out so that you could actually see how long it how, how far is 60 metres and how far is 100 metres. So then it becomes quite shocking to the students to say, oh, my goodness, if I put the brakes on here, right over there is when I'm going to be able to stop. Marilyn Johnson, PhD, Dr Johnson from Monash University, she has a nice balance, really. She gave the example of training truck drivers to deal with cyclists and a fascinating course in Australia. We've they've trained a hundred of these drivers. What they start doing is they get the truck drivers to ride the bicycles on a certain course in a city. And she said, "You see these drivers leaning back on their arms, saying, whatever do we have to do this bicycle riding exercise? We're truck drivers, for goodness sake!' And they ride around for 
the short period of time and when they come back they're saying things like did you see that truck driver he didn't wait for me (laughs) (laughs) yes we once did a conference down in melbourne where we had a, a, a whole pile of engineers possibly with myself included crusty old engineers we took them out on bike rides around williamstown and it was the same thing you know bumps on the road it suddenly meant that their management of maintenance suddenly had a new perspective altogether mm. because that bump on the road to a car was a little inconvenient. To a bike rider, it was a potential death trap. Exactly. I think that's nice that it is a thoughtful, got good research behind it and is not just trying to come from the marketing department. One of the things that James was saying is he always wants the young people to really understand when they're driving and thinking about cyclists. He wants them to think about them as not cyclists, but as, as if they were their mother, father, sister, brother, child. So they're people. Liz, thanks for taking the time and going to that. I appreciate that greatly. Great. Thanks, David. And that's Liz Ant. She is the founder and now the director of A Concept of Change, doing a lot of good work around Australia in the art of getting people to understand and own their own solutions for what are some very important community issues. You're listening to Overdrive. And now a story of road safety from the files of the unusual, if not downright quirky. Taking your pet for a walk can put them in great danger, especially if they have to cross the road. And why does a chicken cross the road? Well, to get a harness from Amazon. It turns out that a company called Yosito is selling colourful chicken harnesses that will help solve all your chicken walking needs whatever they may be, and you can choose a colour that matches your chicken the best. The company says that chicken harnesses are fully adjustable and easy to wear, so your chickens are always comfortable, no matter what. Teach your fowls to walk on a leash and find your peace of mind, says Yasito. The harness and leash are made of durable and breathable mesh fabric that can withstand everyday use. You can choose from a variety of colours, All of them come with three sets of bow ties. In Canada, the leashes cost about $30, which is similar to their price in Australia. And of course, you can get them online through Amazon. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks for the dedicated help of David Campbell, Brian Smith, Rob Fraser and Paul Just for making this show possible. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au and previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. And you can go to our Facebook page, Overdrive City. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening.